Amen. Thank you, Strain Group. Appreciate that so very much. You grab your Bibles, turn with me to Mark chapter number 14. Mark chapter number 14. In just a few moments, we'll observe the Lord's Supper together. And uh, as I like to do on these nights, we kind of focus in on that uh, table and on all that it represents and all that we have in Christ. And so we'll do that here for the next few moments in preparation for our observance of the Lord's Supper. Appreciate you being here tonight. I mean that. And uh, always a delight to look at our Savior and His sacrifice for you and I. And so we want to do that tonight. A message entitled, you'll see it here, terrible grammar in English, but it's three tooks and three looks, okay? And you'll see what we mean by that, and uh, three tooks and three looks, all right, from the passage and the story here. I always enjoy coming and looking at this, and uh, we want to go back to that night where it all started. As we think about tonight and uh, what we are commemorating, we want to go back to that night with Christ and the disciples of all started. I love how Paul introduces it. First Corinthians chapter 11, we'll be there in a few moments when we observe the Lord's table. You remember what he says? I share with you what I have received of the Lord. Now, man, I read that every time, and I'm like, I want, I want to find out how God shared it with Paul. You know, what was that? Was it, uh, when was that? How did, how did he convey this to Paul in such a manner that he said, I've received this of the Lord? Now, I see Paul as someone that the Lord taught in different ways. We know there's a period of time between the road to Damascus and his appearance kind of in Jerusalem and the church, and there we believe he was trained in different ways and so forth, okay? But, uh, man, I, I want to find out where he came this, but I also believe that Paul was the kind that went around to any of the disciples he met and asked them all about the stories. Tell me everything. Tell me, you know, what was it like that night? What was it like at this event? And so forth and so on. I believe Paul liked to gleam all of those things and uh, yearned to know more and more about his Savior and about the events that he conducted and he led in different ways. And so um, he, he liked the details. And so tonight we go back to that upper room, you and I do, to see about when Christ instituted this ordinance of the church. And we'll just kind of highlight some things. Again, maybe not necessarily new, but certainly bringing them to our remembrance so you and I enter into this observance with the right attitude and a right spirit. And we're reminded of all that it represents and everything that it is symbolic of. Look at Mark chapter number 14, if you will, with me. We'll look down at verses 22 and 23 for sake of time. Notice what it says, verse 22, and as they did eat, as is often referred to the Last Supper, right? And they did eat, as they did eat, Jesus took bread and he blessed and he broke it uh, and he gave to them and said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and they all drank of it. Okay, and he goes on and talking about what that represents, but we'll stop there. Okay, first of all, we're going to look at three tooks. Okay, three things that he took. The, the Greek word here that is translated in this passage three different times um, is labano. Okay, in the passage you'll see it's translated as took, took, and take. Not necessarily in that order, but in these two verses it's translated as such. Okay, so three tooks that we're going to talk about this evening. So the first thing is, well, we read there in verse 22, he took the bread, right? He took the bread. What was so important about the bread? Well, he shows that it was symbolic of his body. So as he's standing there, and he mentions it, right? He says, this is my body. And uh, you can imagine the bewilderment, in a sense, of those disciples as they heard him say that. Because as he sat there, sat there excuse me, he, he was in near-perfect health. They're looking at him, and, and he's fine. He, he's, he's not beaten. He's not bruised at this time. He's not broken and battered. But as he takes the bread, uh, he, he's telling them, and he's telling you and I tonight, that it represents his body. Not as it is in that moment, but as it would be in the hours to come. 
You can just imagine, we, we would guess, certainly in that day and time, there was, uh, with the Passover, there was some form of unleavened bread, and, and whether it be in a wafer form or whatever the case may be, um, Luke and Paul specifically, in 1 Corinthians 11, he shares this, that Christ says this, and I think this is an important truth. He said, this is my body which is broken for you. Broken for you. I can just imagine our Savior, and he's sitting there at the table. He reaches and takes the bread, and he, he holds that piece of unleavened bread. And the symbolic aspect of it, this is my body. And then what does he begin to do? Begins to rip it, to break it apart. And he would certainly know what lies ahead to some degree. He, he would know that his body is going to be bruised and battered and broken and torn apart, torn asunder. And, and I can just imagine as he is ripping the bread, and certainly the disciples don't know that, that moment. You and I, looking back, we, we can imagine that every single time he rips the bread, it is symbolic. It is a picture of what will happen in the next few hours of what he will go through to purchase our redemption. Of what he will endure and that tearing the breaking of the bread is it's such a vivid picture of what would happen to the body of our Savior. So we think of those events. The fact is this. We know well his body was greatly beaten. His body was broken. His brow was torn by the thorns that uh, those soldiers pressed down upon him. His body was ripped to shreds. Broken. Torn by the Cat of nine tails, the whip that was applied to him. And yet, through it all, as Jesus Christ is taking, <laughs> as he took the bread, there's something greater that he represented even in that. You see, as he took it, what did he do? He gave it. He handed it out. I want you to see tonight in the taking of the bread and the fact that he took the bread, he was speaking of his giving. In the taking, we would say this, there is a loving giving. We know well, and he is certainly even picturing it here, he is willingly giving it. He is lovingly handing it out. He is willingly sacrificing his own body to be broken for you and I. And as he took that bread in his hands to illustrate the given, as it was broken into pieces time and time again, so his body would be broken for our sins to secure our future in heaven with him. I like what Luke recorded in chapter 22 and verse 19. He says this, and he took bread and he gave thanks and he broke it. And he gave unto them saying, this is my body, notice it, which is given for you. Given. Willingly, lovingly offered. Given it for you. Uh, freely. Once done with the, the bread, he does what? Well, he second took, he, he took the cup. He took the cup. and uh, Did you catch what happened in verse 22 and verse 23? This is always something that I think about in this story. He, he took them, and then what did he do? He gave thanks. He gave thanks. As we do in just a moment, as we observe the Lord's uh, supper, the ordinance of the church, he took that and he prayed. I, could you imagine what that prayer would have been like? What did Jesus Christ himself pray in this moment? 
As he took that bread and he then took the cup, as he held them in his hands and before he passed them around and he handed them out, and he's telling them, he's going to elaborate on what it represents, but could you imagine what that prayer was like? What great insight into the days and the hours that lie ahead. What glimpses did he give of the things that come to pass just through his prayer? And I often think that sometimes, and certainly we know this, when you and I pray together, when we are gathered in prayer, it often affords us a glimpse into the heart of the person we're praying with. And so I wonder in that moment, as Jesus Christ maybe looked to heaven, as He he bowed His head, whatever the case, as He prayed to God the Father in heaven, what glimpses of His heart did the disciples see? In each of these prayers, what did they hear come forth in the prayer? What did they see in the prayer that he offered in that moment? And as he finished the prayer, and maybe he held that cup in his hand, and he held it for all them to see, he he tells them of the significance, uh, and Paul even indicates it in 1 Corinthians 11, but certainly Mark does even here in the verses that follow. What significance is it? Well, here's a group of Jewish men. And if the Jewish men, the Jewish congregation knew anything, they would understand that every significant covenant, every significant agreement, every uh, significant transaction in the past in their nation's history, and even really before that with Abraham and others, every significant was ratified by a blood sacrifice. In essence, we could say the blood sealed the deal. They knew that. They understood that in in their own history as Jews, and they understood the blood sacrifice and all of this reality. And so he he looks at the cup, and he looks around at the table, uh, the men around the table, and he tells them that this cup is what? The New Testament. This is the new covenant. This is literally the the new agreement, the new um, uh, covenant between God and mankind. And it is ratified. It is sealed with the blood of the only perfect Lamb of God. You see, my friend, as he held that cup, and as you grab that cup today, the reality is it represents something so much greater than grape juice. It represents the blood of our Savior shed for our sins. See, Matthew would go on and he would add it, wouldn't it? He would say it was shed, Christ says it, it was shed for the remission of our sins. I think even in this passage here it says, which is shed for many in the next verse. And it is shed for the remission, the removal, the covering of our sin, the redemption of ourselves from our sin. It is why we sing, we didn't deny it, but it's why we sing, what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. The significance of the blood that he took. Uh, He himself would speak of the fact that it's a fountain into which the vilest of sinners can be washed and made anew. Last week we sang, and boy, it just always hits me whenever we sing this song, and specifically the verse of there is a fountain. I love the verse. I, I can't remember which one it is, but it says this. The dying thief rejoiced to see that fountain in his day. And there have I, though vile as he, washed all my sins away. Man, what a great truth. When Christ held up that cup, my friend, and he took that cup, 
it is significant, it is symbolic of the reality that you and I have no other way to heaven, and yet Jesus Christ has made a new covenant, he's made a new testament with all of mankind that through his, the shedding of his blood, there can be remission of sins. We can gain heaven and lose hell like never before. Remission of our sins. You see, Christ, as he took the cup, he held it up for all gathered there to see, and Yet in that, we realize also that as he took it and then he gave it, he passed that cup around, whether he poured it into other cups or they took of the drink of the same cup, they passed it around the table. The reality is this, in that taking, we see that there is again his giving, his loving giving. The blood that was shed in the hours that passed after that, the blood that was shed was not shed by the powerful strength of a Roman army. It was not shed by the Jewish leaders of that day. No, not at all. It was freely given. The Savior, Jesus Christ, freely gave of His blood a loving offering. He alone could do what He did. I love how Paul puts it in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit he offered himself without spot to God. Purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Literally, he gave himself. He shed that blood willingly for you and I. And uh, Luke chapter 22, again, recording that night, he says, likewise, also the cup after the supper, speaking of Jesus Christ that he took, saying, this is cup is the New Testament in my blood. And I love this, my friend. It's personal tonight. It's personal tonight. When he took that cup, he was saying, I'm going to shed my blood willingly, lovingly for you. For God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son. You see, friend, it was willingly, lovingly given. You and I take that bread tonight as we pick that little wafer up. We ought not to forget his giving. Came across this this week and it's not, certainly not original with me, but boy, it really spoke to my heart. It talks about the sevenfold fact of Christ's giving. The sevenfold fact of Christ's giving. I like this. I think it does a good job reminding us of the, the truths of the sacrifice of God's giving. The first statement is this, love is its source. For God's so love. Grace is its act. The only way that you and I could enjoy the riches of God is through Christ and what he did on the cross. Christ's expense, as we like to say. God's riches at Christ's expense. Blood is its price. Blood is its price. And certainly the, the picture there of death and everything entailed with it. For the wages of sin is death. For without the shedding of blood, there is what? No remission of sins. See, blood is its price or cost, we could say. Men are its object. Oh, there's much to do today about animals and the climate and the, oh, we got to save the polar caps, we got to save the polar bears, and we got to save everything else. May I just tell you right now, Jesus Christ did not come to save any of that. He came to save you. He came to save mankind. See, man is the object of his great sacrifice. Salvation is its end. He came to save you and I. As we like to say from the power of sin today, from the penalty of sin for all eternity and from the presence of sin in heaven. Salvation is its end. 
Christ is its substance. There's nothing that could do it. There's no name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved. No one else could pay the penalty, the price. Christ alone. That's why tonight you and I say we may not be able to hope in anything else, but our hope is Jesus. And last but not least, glory, referencing heaven, more important, eternity with our God is its consummation. That'll be the glorious finish line for all of eternity. My friend, that is why he took his blood, he, or the blood, the cup. He, that's why he took the bread. So we would say it this way. The first two tooks, if we may put them that way, show his giving. But in the last, we see living. Those show his giving. This last one shows his living. Look again at verse 22, if you will, with me. And the last usage of the word lambano in the Greek is found in the end, or there, verse 22, where he says, take, okay? It's translated as take, eat, this is my body. Now, we look at that, and then we read verse 23. Look at verse 23, and we see that in response to the command of Christ, what did the disciples do? They took. Look at it, verse 23 When he had given thanks, he gave it to them. There's the willing giving. He gave it to them, and they all drank it. They took it. So the last thing that we see here is the obvious fact that they all obeyed, and they took the bread and cup. He first took the cup, then he took the bread, and then the disciples, they they took the bread and ate it. They took the cup and drank of it. See, the first two acts were on the part of Christ. Now you and I must receive what he has made available. And we know it well. It must be taken by faith. For by grace are you saved through faith. It's a gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. And we know John 1, 12, right? But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. Even to them that what? Believe on his name. So now it's up to you and I for us to take what Christ has offered. You know, here you are, you and I tonight, I, I hope as you've come in tonight, as you've looked forward to our observance, the reality is this, you are here to celebrate, to commemorate the day that you took. You, you took that free gift that Christ offered and you took it by faith. This is really where it becomes personal, isn't it? This is why for you and I, as we gather around this table, there I, I don't know about you, but man, I sure am thankful there's a place set at the table for you and me. It's personal. It means there was a day that you and I took God at his word, that by faith we, we trusted in him. And if we could say it spiritually, that there was a day when Christ spoke to us, when the wooing of the Holy Spirit, when God's word spoke to us, and it was as if Jesus Christ spiritually was saying, take, eat. This is my body and my blood that I have offered for you. I've freely given it. All you need to do is eat by faith. And in faith, accept it. And as we... As you and I have reached out through faith and we've taken that bread and that cup. And my friend, even this, this ordinance tonight is symbolic of that. When you and I, because one of the things Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, make sure you don't eat and drink unworthily. Why? Because this is a commemoration, excuse me, a remembering of the day that you and I, what? We took the bread. We took the blood of Jesus Christ through faith. And we trusted in his perfect sacrifice to pay the penalty for our sin to do what we couldn't do. And so, my friends, as that plate is passed here in just a few moments, when you and I grab and we, we take of that bread, you know what we're remembering? Sure, I'm thankful the day that I prayed and I took of the spiritual bread of Jesus Christ. 
I drank of the spiritual cup of Jesus Christ through faith. And I'm thankful for the day that He, like He did for the disciples physically, He has done for spiritually that the day came where He offered that bread to us. He takes it and He offers it. He gives it to you and He says, you can take it too through faith. It, it can be yours. And with it, as we take that free gift from His hand, what are we taking unto ourselves? For God so loved the world that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. True living. For you and I, for him, there is giving in the taking. For you and I, in the taking, there is living. Living. You see, (laughs) you and I know well that we have found life. And my friend, when you and I follow him and surrender on a daily basis, we have found life more abundantly. True living is found in taking the free gift. So as in those first two tooks, he shows his giving. In the last, it shows the living that you and I enjoy because of his sacrifice. And so those are the three tooks. Now, the three tooks makes the three looks even possible, okay? And that's certainly what we gather here to do even this evening, okay? What are the three looks quickly? And, and this is kind of sets the table for you and I to enter into the Lord's table, Number one, the first look is this. There is a looking up. In fact, we would put it this way. The, it causes us this evening of remembrance to look in three different directions. And that's first is this. There's a looking up to God. We're praising Him for who He is and what He is. You see, without a Creator God, there is no earthly life. Without a loving, merciful God, a gracious God, there is no everlasting life. And without a powerful God, a redeeming God, there is no enjoyable, victorious daily life. So today we, we pause, much like Jesus Christ did. It is why as we pass, pass out the bread and we pass out the, the juice, and certainly the order doesn't matter, but we do just like Jesus Christ did in that upper room. You remember, he took the bread, and you and I will have taken the bread, and, and we will have it in our hands. We will have taken the cup, and we don't immediately just stuff it in our faces. No, no, no. What do we do? We stop, we pause, and we thank God. The Bible says that Jesus Christ did so. He took the bread, he took the the cup, and he what? He gave thanks. He gave thanks. So tonight, as you and I gather around the table, the first thing we do is we look upward and we praise our almighty God for all that he has done and who he is. We serve a loving God. A creator of all that has compassion on his creation has provided and afforded salvation to you and I. So tonight we we look to heaven and we say thanks. We honor and praise our God because without him there is no us in the past, in the present, or in the future. So we look up tonight. We start by praising him. Number two, we not only look up, but we look back at Christ's work. As we have done even in this simple message, we remember the lonely road that Jesus Christ took to the cross of Calvary where he offered himself, where he died for us. We look back and we stand amazed at such wonderful love shown on us that he gave his life, that he gave his body, that he shed his blood for our payment of sins, not his, but ours. And this evening we are amazed as we look at the spiritual account books, our own books, and as we look at them spiritually, you know what we see? Paid in full. Because of what he's done. And so tonight we look back and we say there is no other way for that to have been done. There's no way for that to have been accomplished outside of what Jesus Christ did. 
to tonight as we bow our heads in just a few moments. We, we look backward, we remember, and we thank our Savior for all that he's done. We remember how he suffered for us. We remember how his body was indeed broken. We remember how his blood was shed in horrendous ways. And yet we remember what he accomplished through the wonderful giving of himself. Last but not least, obviously my favorite part probably, 1 Corinthians 11. He says you to show the Lord's death until he comes. Thirdly, there is a looking forward to Christ's return. Man, I sure am thankful we don't live in the past tonight. I'm grateful that you and I can look to the future as our glorious Savior died for us. He gave himself for the penalty of our sins, and yet that very same Savior is coming back someday soon. As you and I take up the bread tonight, as we take up the cup and commemoration of what he gave, we're thankful to him for what we've received through faith in him. Can't help but think. And I think even today has become more real. I can't help but think the day is coming where you and I will look upon the body of our Savior. And what Brother Gary Runney is experiencing today is what we look forward to. To, to. to look upon that body. To see our Savior face to face. To gaze into His eyes. And in that moment, you and I will be able to thank Him for the salvation that He has given us. And he will take you and I physically and usher us into heaven. That's why tonight is a joyous, glorious occasion. Oh, it's serious, it is somber, it is beheld in reverence. That's, that's certainly true, but it is a joyous occasion. Why? Because my Savior lives. We will see him again. And this is the promise. He gives this to us to remember what he has done but to look forward to what he will do. Aren't you delighted tonight that one day these eyes that you and I have will look upon our Savior and take in all of his beauty? One day these hands that will handle the bread and the cup this evening, one day these hands will enwrap our Savior in a grateful hug. We will one day touch him. And one day, The voices that you and I sang with just a moment ago. Aren't you thankful that one day our voices will fill the ears of our Savior in His presence with unending praise? One day we'll be there. One day we'll be with Him. And we'll see the one who this all represents. But in the meantime, you and I can look forward to that day that he's coming back soon. And as we remember what he has done for us and show his death, we also look forward to seeing him. Yet in the meantime, you and I have much to do. There's much work to be accomplished, much to be done for our Lord and Savior before he returns. You know what this is a reminder of as you and I leave, as we even talked a little bit about this morning, the fact is this, we now live for the one who died for us. So we go out being a light in this world. We go out and we live in light of others. We try to exhort one another on a daily basis. And then what a delight it is that as we go from this place, we can live in love with our Savior. We can walk with Him. We can talk with Him. 
we can commune and fellowship with our Savior. And oh, what a day that will be when we see Him face to face. We look forward to it. Father, we thank You for Your Word. And Lord, now as we head into this uh, observance of what we call Your Supper, my, my Savior, I, I would pray that You would help us now that you would speak to every heart, that you would accept our words of gratitude and thankfulness and praise. And Father, I pray that even now in these next few moments, and Father, as we begin to pass out the, the elements of the Lord's Supper, I pray, Father, that you would just do a mighty work. And Lord, in the hearts of your people, I pray that our hearts and our thoughts would be drawn to Calvary, would be drawn to that upper room where you instituted this. And Father, I pray that our hearts would be filled with gratitude. I, I, I pray that our minds would be filled with the memories of Calvary and what Christ went through with us. And Father, I pray that our, uh, our whole spirit would be enraptured with the promise of Christ returning for us. And Lord, I pray for these next few moments we would truly honor and glorify our Savior. We'd worship you through this ordinance. Father, as we taste the bread as we drink of the cup i i would pray that lord we would be as thankful for our salvation as we've ever been grateful for what christ did for us and father i would certainly pray that if there would be one here tonight that is not saved that father tonight would be the night of salvation for them that lord even there's a young one or an older one that is yet to trust christ would they see what a great and glorious gift you offer us through faith Father, would you meet with us now for these next few moments? Would you accept our praise? And Lord, may it be a taste of what's to pass in heaven when we're seeing our Savior face to face. We love you much. We're so grateful and so thankful for your love for us. It's in Christ's precious name we pray. Amen. This time I'll ask those to join me in here at the front who are helping serve.